0: On behalf of Hospice of the Piedmont, welcome to the E-Series, an educational podcast aimed at engaging our community, exploring relevant topics, and educating about ways to connect with our organization. My name is Ryan Biagini, and I am your host. Today we continue this installment of the E-Series with Conversations in Care, Bridging the Unknown, a conversation between CEO of Hospice of the Piedmont, Trent Cockrum, and Hospice Nurse Liaison, Joanne Scott. Let's rejoin the conversation.
1: You all, you and your team, your your colleagues, are, are the are the, the the first step, right? Um, mm-hmm. You're beginning to talk with the patient family about what we do, who we are, um, and um, helping normalize. I suspect some really difficult conversations. I think that's a some of the things I've heard you say. Yes. Um, and so you're really setting the stage for for a group of people, an interdisciplinary group of social workers and nurses and chaplains and other you know, physicians and nurse practitioners to come after you, mm-hmm. right? Um, so you're you're really laying just a, a, a very important foundation for what becomes a, a, a much deeper relationship. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Yes. Yeah.
2: Yes, and we, I mean, it, we are a team. That's what makes hospice so beautiful. I have had, I've, I've worked with hospice at the Piedmont and our affiliate hospice at Randolph, and I've been here for almost 20 years, but I had other experiences before I came here, and never in any other profession as a nurse have I encountered um, this teamwork. Um, we are a team of Doctors and nurse practitioners and nurses and social workers and chaplains and certified nursing assistants and volunteers and bereavement team that are relentlessly in pursuit of um, making the patient's um, life have quality and comfort. And, um, and so We take that very seriously. We work together as a team. We lean on each other. We have different gifts. We have different strengths as team members to offer the patient. We meet every week, every single week we meet as a team and we talk about each patient and ways that we can come together to make their moments the best they can be. And we are extremely dedicated to the mission of this. So we start The process, but that's just the beginning. And the team is the beauty, it's the cornerstone of what hospice is, and it's what makes this program so special.
1: Sure. You know, one of the things I might would like to go back to, um, I think we have a little bit more time, Joanne, if you'll indulge me for just a moment. We talked um, a little bit about the setting of care and going from, you know, a hospital setting or a Uh, an outpatient clinic setting or somewhere where uh, somewhere else other than your home because that's not where you really expect um, care to be delivered and and wrapped up in that it occurs to me as we've gone through this this really interesting conversation um, is that we're really talking about moving from a disease centric thought process where the disease Whatever the disease is, is really the controlling factor of our life. You know, I've I've had an experience in my own family. Um, you know, I, I, I had an had an aunt who had cancer. Um, she passed away. Um, though we provide services for far more diseases than just cancer, um, but but what was so interesting is is in my almost twenty five years in healthcare. You know, I watched, um, I, I watched her. I watched her become a very disease-oriented, and my family becoming a very disease-oriented, um, uh, uh, you know, family unit. And so, making that transition, it it's it's sort of like making the transition. This is a bad analogy, but but like making the, almost would seem like making the transition from college to a, to a very different life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Uh, So, so we're, we're looking at this very differently now. Um, And so can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yes. I think when folks, you know, hear hard news, they hear a diagnosis. Um, Instantly their life changes in that moment, in that space. And it, they're sort of thrust down a path that is, um, is often um, involves, you know, being at certain in certain places at certain times to get certain things done to their bodies, and they, their calendars all of a sudden change. All of a sudden, their calendars are populated with appointments and um, schedules and medicines and things that may not have been there the day before. And so, it's and and it's easy for that to to take center stage, and it's hard. To shift from that being center stage sometimes because you're in the throes of of, of the fight, so to speak. But I would challenge that hospice doesn't mean that you're giving up the fight. You're you truly are shifting your focus because behind all of that is a person. There is a person, um, a human being, who has. Um, who is valuable? Who is special? Who has, um, who have people in their lives that they love and that love them, and 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 they have dreams that sometimes get sidelined by all of this. And and we want, we don't want to ignore that. We want to pull all of those dreams and hopes and desires and needs and wants back to the. To, this, to the center and, and just give patients permission to, to, to think about that again. You know, sometimes it just gets put on the back burner. All these things get put on the back burner because you're moving into this you know, realm of treatment, but they don't have to be on the back burner. And this is something that I think makes hospice so special is we try to pull all those back burner things out and say, what are they? I mean, we've done some, so many cool things. I mean, I, I've seen weddings. I've seen vacations taken. I've seen bucket list items checked off. I've seen family members in the military overseas. Um, we've been able to participate in, in getting them home. Um, we've even been able to participate in getting some family members who are imprisoned out to see there's there are so many things when you have a team that is that is tirelessly pursuing what a patient what really matters what really matters to a patient we're when we're pursuing that as a team together uh we we can move mountains
1: wow that's that's incredibly powerful um, i i don't think i would disagree with that for um, at all You know, what you, you hit on a word that I might want to go back to for just a moment. Permission, you know, permission is something that that has a lot of different meanings for a lot of different contexts. It's interesting that we might think about permission in a healthcare context. Mm -hmm. Might you sort of talk a little bit about that and what you, what you meant by permission.
2: The patient is very much the center of everything we do in hospice and We are coming into their lives at a time when they are vulnerable. Um, They are often scared. Um, Knowing things about a patient physically is very intimate. And we do need permission to to start to sort of crack the window on those types of things to see if there's a way that we can um, work with the patient. We want to ask them what they feel comfortable sharing. We want to ask them who it's okay to include. Uh, we want to ask them, you know what what their experience has been, how they see their illness, um, what it's meant to them, what has it cost them, what it, what have they what have they lost as a result of it, um, and and we have to ask, we have to ask for permission to, to sort of dive into those very personal things and make sure that they feel in control of those things and that they know that they're in charge.
1: So in thinking about that a bit more broadly, um, you know, it might even be that there are folks watching today who may even need this conversation to give them permission to pick up the phone and call, right? right. Um, because fear sometimes can be really paralyzing. Fear of the unknown can be really paralyzing. And fear of what we might not yet know or understand. Um, and just giving, hopefully what we were able to do today is even give some folks some permission that they didn't know that they had. Uh, to pick up the phone and call if they have even just questions, right? Right. Um, When you think about um, when you think about misconceptions and myths and um, what it is is there a story that stands out in your mind where you arrived into a patient's home or in, into their life, their family's life, and you began a conversation that was just, you know, wrought with lots of fear, which is often characterized, we could characterize it as a myth or misconception. And what did you want them to take away from that? And how did you do that? Is there any story that sticks out in your mind that you'd like to tell?
2: Well, first of all, to address the idea of fear, I I think the idea that someone could be dealing with chronic illness or life-limiting illness and not have fear is unrealistic. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's okay to be afraid. What I would argue is not okay is when fear prevents you from, from taking steps that could be helpful. And that's what we want to try to get at. Is it's okay to be afraid, um, but don't let that stop you from, from reaching out. Um, you know, I can think of a patient in particular. This was a younger patient. I have so many memories of so many amazing patients, but we, we had a, a younger patient one time, and, um, and it was scary to take the step towards hospice. And she was coming home from the hospital she was uncomfortable. She was dealing with a lot of pain. And in this particular case, myself and one of our doctors went on the first visit. And we were in the driveway when she pulled up from leaving the hospital. And we participated together in that first visit with that patient. And her mother was there and her grandmother was there. And it was a wonderful first visit where we started to uncover things about what was most important and very quickly you know the case manager nurse joined the team and the social worker joined the team and the chaplain with his guitar joined the team and and um, we had volunteers that had plugged in to help and amazing amazing moments happened with that patient and you know, you think, wow, you know, well, that's a blessing to that patient and family, but they were such a blessing to us. And she passed away. And um, many of us were in, were there for the funeral. And now our fabulous bereavement team is is helping that family learn to start moving forward without her. And so... I think for a minute, you know, if, if fear had paralyzed them from taping, taking that step, none of that would have happened. And so I, I want fear to not be something that stops you or paralyzes patients. I want it to be something that causes you to reach out to us. Just let us, let us come out and, and start the dialogue. It doesn't commit you to anything. Let's just start the conversation because giving, giving patients permission and a space just to, just to share, just to talk about it, will sometimes lead us um, in a direction that is very, very powerful.
1: Sure, so we've got a couple more minutes left, and um, I wanna ask you just a couple more things, if I might. I appreciate your indulging me for this amount of time. Um, you know, we talked about pain, we talked about medications, um, we've talked about a lot of things um, you know those are oftentimes wrapped up in you know alleviating symptoms and wow. you know uh, before I ask uh, ask my question I, I, I might just sort of set this up a bit if 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 I might if I may um, you know a lot of times uh, people equate hospice with just cancer right which is really not true about thirty two percent of all of the patients that we care for in a year's time have cancer, um, which means about sixty. 8% or so of, of the rest of our 2000 patients actually don't have uh, cancer diagnosis at all. So, you know, pain is a symptom, but there are many other symptoms that, that people experience. Uh, might you talk just a moment about that?
2: Yes. So, you know, as a, as a patient is sort of struggling with their illness, um, we often see, Pain is a biggie, but there's so many other things. You know, sometimes I'll hear a daughter say, Mom keeps falling. Um, or sometimes I hear, um, uh, you know, a sibling say, you know, my sister's just not eating as well. Her appetite's not as good. Um, or she's weak. She just doesn't have the stamina to do what she was doing a couple months ago, or uh, she's not sleeping great, or he is feeling kind of nauseated, um, or anxious, feeling, you know, feeling anxiety that's really disrupting a patient's quality of life. Um, there's so many things that affect a patient's day-to-day life that can be affected by illness. And these are all important things for hospice staff. It, you know, it, they all play a role in whether a patient has a good day or a bad day. And so we, and there's so many things that we can do to address these issues sure. to, and to help families feel empowered to know how to, address these issues in a way that still um, promotes a patient's functionality and their quality um, and their ability to interact and be present with the people that they love. And so this is sort of what you're signing up for Mm -hmm. when you agree to hospice services is really a team of experts who understand these things, and we'll do everything we can to try to address these symptoms. It's not just pain.
1: You know, I think that's a great um, segue um, to, to a comment and, um, you know, you talked about empowerment. Um, I've made some mental notes here about uh, some of the, the the phrases that we hear today and in healthcare right which is a hotly debated topic Mm -hmm. um you know you hear things like patient-centered and self-directed and lots of sort of buzz phrases um but when you think about it in the context of empowerment like you just talked about Mm -hmm. um as we've talked about now for about 46 or so minutes it it really seems pretty apparent to me that the program that Hospice of the Piedmont and Hospice of Randolph actually offers is a really, truly a a patient centered, self-directed model of care. It fits all of those um, really sort of um, new age concepts, although hospice is uh, not a a new age or or novel um, uh, method of care delivery. You know, it's been around, Uh, since the early 1970s um, and our organization has been been around since 1981. So um, I think that's just a comment that I might like to make just based on what I'm hearing you say that for the for the benefit of those who may be watching
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um, and listening to us a watching now or maybe listening to us at a later time. Um, Joanna, I've got one last question Mm -hmm. Um, and um, what is the one thing that you hope those folks who are either watching us today or listening to us today or watching us at some time in the future, because this will be recorded and posted for public consumption later, what is the one thing that you hope our audience will take away from our conversation today?
2: I would say that um, whether you have been given a life-limiting illness or not, Life is precious, it's brief, um, time is precious, and we've spoken a lot about fear, about the fears of hospice. I would just ask um, our listeners to, to reach out. Uh, don't let um, the fear of the unknown of hospice stop you from starting the conversation. Um, I have you know worked with the hospice for 20 years, but I'm not alone. Um, I feel like our hospice of the Piedmont and Hospice of Randolph are, are a really special group because we have um, a lot of staff who have worked here many, many years and have tremendous insight and knowledge and expertise. And if you'll just consider reaching out to us, it's a place to start where we can just start to get to know you a little bit better and see if what we have to offer might be something that you're looking
1: for. You know, in thinking about um, moving from a, uh, an illness-centric consideration to what we've talked about today, it, it seems pretty clear to me that, you know, we're talking about a care that really doesn't know a lot of boundaries or at least limitations, right? Um, and I think that is something that a lot of people perhaps have lots of fears around. You know, Joanne, um, I, I want to say as we close this, um, as, a, as the CEO of, of uh, uh, a nonprofit organization on behalf of um, the 230 uh, to uh, fellow team members that I have, and on behalf of a grateful board of directors, it has been my privilege to spend um, about 15 minutes talking with you today about an incredibly important topic, something I know that you're, you and I share a, a significant amount of passion about. Um, it's been great to explore this um, with you, and, and I'm certainly grateful to have had this opportunity to do this with you uh, today. So- um, Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Thank you for joining us for part two of our discussion, Conversations in Care, Bridging the Unknown. Join me next time for Conversations in Care, Conquering Fears, as CEO of Hospice of the Piedmont, Trent Cochran, and hospice social worker, Caroline Oxford, have a candid discussion regarding the emotional concerns and family dynamics experienced at end of life. Until then, I'm Ryan Biagini, and this has been the E-Series.